Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. What's the point of encountering God and things staying the same? And really, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, doesn't matter what season we're in, God is always the same. He's willing, He's leaning in, and He's wanting an opportunity to bless. So come on, let's pray. Father, we thank You today. We thank You for Your greatness. We thank You for Your goodness. And we pray right now that today we'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Enable me today to bring what is on Your heart, Father, for all of us that all of us will find a shift in our lives as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around, give someone a hug or a high five. Thank you, team, here at Oxford Falls. We love you. Awesome. All right. You ready to go? You know, we're excited. We've loved your pastors, been a part of their world for a long time now. And uh, Pastor Phil and Chris have been over to our neck of the woods another state of Australia there in New Zealand, and uh, God is doing amazing things. You know, one of the passions in my life is going to the Word of God and saying, God, if that's what you've said, I want to get there. Yeah, sometimes we can be in church, and even though we believe God can, we don't carry a passion for things to change. We'd like it to change, but here in Oxford Falls, and I'm sure in every worship location out there in each of the campuses, you know, worship isn't led by people that are just going, well, we've got to do worship. It's like we want the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want an encounter with God. Well, one of the bedrock scriptures of my life is Ephesians 1.23, and this powerful verse in the Message Bible says this, the church that you see, And I wonder when I read that, is that the church the world is seeing? The church that you see is a church that is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to her. Come on, we're in 11 locations today. Every one of us significantly born again. And yet I hear your pastor's heart going, in Sydney, we're believing from at least 100 locations. And you go, well, why would you believe for that? Because every person that comes to Christ, encounters God, begins to discover that they were born with design. Come on, they are born even in the hardest of circumstances to bring a God of glory right into the middle of that. But I wonder what church you see. Or let me break it down a little bit more. The life that I see for me. What does that look like? The church I see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to her. And it's the church through God, which God has chosen to speak, to act, and to fill everything with his presence. So somehow we kind of in church life think, well, the presence is going to come and do it. And God says, no, no, the presence is going to come to you. And it's going to extend through you and touch the world that doesn't know my presence. It's going to happen in Mosman. Come on, it's going to happen in Parramatta. It's going to happen here in Oxford Falls. It's going to happen in New Zealand quicker than Australia. Well, that's my prayer. Now, but think about this for a... Because we can hear the scripture and it's like God says, No, I want to change something in you that you are the carrier of my presence. Here's another one. Through which he acts. Mm. 
So my hands don't get activated. There are no acts of heaven. It's kind of like if I don't break through and see God take me to a higher level. And I do want to address the subject of money because I've been in church my whole life. And I arrived at the age of 38 being faithful in what belonged to God. But we had nothing. And I said to Marie after 15 years of marriage, we've been generous. We've given God his first. In fact, since the age of three, every time I've increased, I've honored God with his tithe. And yet we gave everything away and I had no real understanding about money. In fact, tonight, and I know many of us aren't in church, but if you could get to Oxford Falls tonight, I want to talk about the four key ingredients of creating a foundation and a pathway to financial freedom. And it's not just going to be rhetoric. In fact, if you're sitting there, I don't like talk about money in church. That's the problem with the church. It always talks about, no, no, the problem with church is we always talk about giving. Especially here at C3. <laughs> no, all over the world, we, we talk about giving because we believe in the parable and the principle of harvest comes from seed. But we need to talk about money. Because money, arguably, has more of an issue in your life, in my life, than what I ever realized. If I have a lack of it, I have a lack of acts. Things I can do for a world that's in need. Imagine if we were in a short period of time to have a hundred campuses just like the one you're in. Imagine that. It's going to take money. So the enemy doesn't want you or I to break through in money. He doesn't want you or I to break through in the things that will unlock the generations to follow us. And you might go, well, you know, I, I, I don't mind money. I, I've got enough, but I don't need more talk about that. Well, my argument is why would you live so selfishly? Money is to release us into the purpose of God. As you've often heard, if we have more money, we have more ministry. If we have more money, we have more answers for need. If we have more money, there is more of the evident kingdom of God on planet earth. You can have a lot of money and it's still a problem to you and you can have little and you think, well, money's not my issue. It is your issue because it's stopping the God design over your life to take place. And so I got to a point where I said, God, you're going to help me with this. This is a big issue. And if you don't think it is, it affects every one of us. I, I read the story a long time ago about a couple. His name was George and her name was Bessie. And they lived in the country. Generations had lived in the country. Their big event for the year was going to the show that happened once a year. And so they would go and really excited. They would have rides and they could see all new machinery. And George had a love for planes. Well, one of the things you could do at the show is if you paid $10, you could go up in a open uh, kind of, uh, what do they call it? A, a biplane and go for a ride. And they would get to the show in their younger years. And George would say to Bessie, Bessie, I love could I just please go up in the plane? And $10 back then was a lot of money, but Bessie was pretty frugal. And so she said, well, George, you know that we can't afford it because $10 is $10. Well, the years rolled by. George is now uh, 81 years of age. And he goes, Bessie, they've still got the plane. <laughs> please, Bessie. You know, how many husbands know how I'm, I'm talking? It's like, please, honey. Could I just have a ride in the biplane? And she says, well, you're 81, but come on, $10 is $10. Well, the pilot overheard them and had seen them a number of years. And so just said, hey, hey, you guys like a ride in the plane? And she's saying, no, and he's going, yes. And so he says, well, listen, I'll tell you what, I, I, I've been hearing you over the years. And yeah, I know it's $10, so let's make a deal. 
Why, why don't you both hop into, hop into the plane? Here's the deal. If you make any noise on the plane ride, you'll pay the $10. If you're silent, it's free. So Bessie looked at him and said, this is a God moment. Uh, let's do it. They jump in the plane and he takes off. But he goes into spirals and dives and he goes all over the place and they're hanging on, eyes popping out. And, and then finally he comes into land and he's sitting there in the cockpit and he says, boy, you guys did well up the back. And George says, yeah, yeah. He said, but you didn't even make a sound. And George goes, I, I was going to when Bessie fell out. <laughs> but $10 is $10. You know, the truth is, I, 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 I'm gone tomorrow, so I'm coming as an uncle to the house. Money for all of us is an issue. It's an issue if you have a lot of it that's unsurrendered. It's an issue if you don't have what God wants you to have. In fact, I would say, as I said, money or lack of it decides most of our everyday decisions. You could make a decision this week if you had it. To help people that are in crisis that don't know the God you know. Come on, you could walk around the area you live in and provide an answer. And Research tells us that 50% of divorces are because of issues around money and material things. So I look at that and I go, God, you need to help us. Even Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 19, he said this, I love it. He says, a feast is made for laughter. In other words, we love to get together around a meal. And wine makes merry, but get this, money answers everything. That's not the Quran. That's not some sort of magazine. This is God's word. Money answers everything. Money answers the dreams you have in your heart. Money answers the kingdom's mandate. So therefore, the enemy wants to take money and twist it. And, and maybe today you, you, you feel like, you're impoverished. You, you've never broken through. Well, I want to tell you, God has an answer to who you are. So as I said, Marie and I, after 15 years of marriage, had nothing because we just kept giving it away. And I found myself one day reading as I'm going, God, there's got to be more to this equation. Second Corinthians 9, 8. And this began to challenge me so, so deeply because this is what the Bible says. It says, God is able to make all grace, all favor. He's able to turn your life around. Not the person next to you, not the one with more giftings, not the one who's smarter. No, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. I love this. Come on, somebody get excited. Maryland's is going off right now. Thank you for your response. Come on. No, God is able. I want you to get, I'm not here to preach. I'm here to turn some soil. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always, not some of the time, not when you just got a breakthrough, not just when you had a miracle, always, having all sufficiency in the Greek for all is all. All things will have an abundance for every good work. Can you imagine C3? Can you imagine your family in the generations to come where you are the go-to person if there is human need. Now this isn't just something to stir you up. This is like I began to read that and I'm going, God, I'm holding your word. We're missing something. We're, we're taught to, to give. Tonight I'm going to address there is a law of sowing, but there's also a law of reaping.
And how do we begin to take the full picture of the equation to build a foundation that's going to make a difference? God, if you can make all grace abound to be all favor, all increase, so that I have all sufficiency in all things. The word sufficiency means a perfect state of living where you need no aid. So, so our celebration is, oh, I just got a better job and I got more money. So the dreams that I've had for 20 years I now can do. No, I'm in a state. I, I don't work for money. I work because I'm called to be there. Because money has already been dealt with in my life. Come on, this is not an altar call miracle. This is not something that's just, oh, well, this is all hype. No, this is God's word. Come on, and if you are getting upset about me talking about money, get over it. Oh, that's pretty tough. No, because if you love evangelism, you love preaching on evangelism. If you have a breakthrough spirit when it comes to money, the more you hear about it, come on, the more you go, no, I want to learn. I want to lean in. I want my children's children to benefit because of the revelation that I've got and I've received. It's perfect state so that I have an abundance. I super abound. See, I dream about the church, as I said in Ephesians 1. You've got a need, you can't find food, you... You don't know how to get through life. You've never had an encounter with God. Where do you go? You go to those people who always have an answer. We're not asking every Sunday for you to be faithful, to give a bit more. We're just overflowing. We're super abundant. Can you imagine what that looks like? So people will see your good words? No. Good worship? No. Good praise? No. They'll see your good works. And they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So we're sitting there at 38 years of age and saying, God, you need to change this. Well, we shouldn't focus on money. Well, the Bible says again, Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor. And if we stay in a place of debt, the borrower is always servant to the lender. So if you have credit card debt, if you've got debt of any form, you are in a very real way servant to the lender. As I said before, if you go, well, I got plenty, so I don't need to hear this. No, don't be so selfish. We've got a world to change. I, I would say this to our church and Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris and each of our location pastors would tell us all. Somebody rock in with a check for 20 or $100 million. Seriously, for us, $100 million, I've spent it already because I know what God is taking us to. So don't tell me money's not important because we could accelerate the purpose of God. You could accelerate the future of your children's children. By going, oh God, I'm not going to let 2 Corinthians 9, 8 just be a scripture. I'm coming back and saying, God, what do I need to do it? So the first thing I want to encourage you today is to think about some of the myths that we've accepted. Whether, again, consciously or subconsciously. One of them I find is when somebody is blessed and has material wealth in the church, we don't know how to handle them. People want to hide it because it's kind of like, well, I'm not sure it's a good thing to have money. And then people would say things like this. Here's one of the myths. Doesn't the Bible teach that money is evil? It's kind of like, well, money can destroy. We can prove that. But money can restore. We can prove that. Yeah, but I thought that money, really, the pursuit of money is not a good thing. No, let's go to Scripture very quickly. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. Come on, are you with me in Penrith? You guys are on. Seriously, you're better than Oxford Falls. I mean, that's what these guys, I tell you what, they've obviously got a problem with what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I love them anyway. Gape love, love at all costs. 1 Timothy 6.10. Come on, let's get this. For the 
Everybody say it. The love of money. Hmm. Do you know you can love money when you don't have it? It's not because you just got it. But the love of when money you want to lead you. When money is your passion just for money's sake, for you. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Because of that love of money, many people have pierced themselves and ended up with many sorrows. Yeah, but if we had a whole lot of money, it would destroy us. Not if we have the character. I'm going to teach tonight, you put God first. Where your treasure is, the security of your heart will be. It's kind of like we need to understand that. In fact, I would put it like this, that money doesn't change us, it unmasks us. In other words, when you get money, you really see what your motivation in life is all about, whether it is you or not you. And so we need to talk about money. Why? Because $10, come on, let's try it out. Some of the other locations are going to help us. Come on, because $10 is $10. So don't tell me it's not important. Just think about when it came to offering time this morning. See how important it is. What have I got? Where are we at? Who's directing our response? Money? Or is it God? It's powerful. It's challenging. See, money carries with itself uh, an authority. I loved years ago when I read about Bill Gates giving $50 billion to world poverty. Is that a good thing? Come on, this should be allowed. Yes. Imagine if the church gives away $50 billion. Do you think people will appreciate it? Those that received help will. There's somebody that cares about us. We gave away 20,000 Christmas boxes last Christmas with a complete meal for a family. Don't tell me the people didn't appreciate it. They're going, who did this? Who cares enough about us finding people in need that just received something unexpected? Come on, money carries authority for all of us. By the way, this is what we get sometimes in church because come on, give, give, give. God's not after your money. He's big enough. He's after the authority of your heart. Because when God gets your heart, he's able to entrust you into a whole new future. As long as we don't trust in riches, but in God. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, instruct those who have money in this present age not to be conceited. Don't go, well, it's all over for me. I'm secure. No, but trust on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Imagine what a life like that would look like. And money is a powerful thing, but... The Bible does not teach that money is the evil. It's the love of money. The second thing. But Jesus, here's another myth. But he didn't live with much. If we are to be like Jesus in the world, then surely we, we should be uncomfortable if we have a lot of resources. And it's true. I agree. I think Jesus lived and modeled a life of scarcity in his existence, but for not for us to follow. You say, well, what do you mean? In fact, I've heard some teachers say, well, Jesus was wealthy, trying to prove that he had lots of money. He had a garment that they auctioned off at the cross. That doesn't prove that he's wealthy. Most probably somebody gave him a great garment. He didn't have oodles of money. And you say, yeah, but we're called to be like Jesus, Paul. I'm not sure that we should talk so much about finding finances. No, let's go back to the Bible. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Not 9, 8, but 8, 9 this time. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... That though he was rich, abundantly resourced in all of the eternity and resources of heaven, yet he became poor 
that you and I, through his poverty, wow, might live rich. Oh, that's spiritual riches. No, it's not. Do some homework. Look at the original word. That you, through his poverty, might become abundant in resource, material resources, abundantly supplied in all kinds of virtues and wealth so that you can make the change. Hey, listen, church. I'm going to get worked up. We accept that Jesus would die a brutal death on a cross so we could live free. But somehow the enemy has woven a lie around our brains and our families and our futures to go, well, he lived poor, you lived poor. No, let's not laugh at the cross. He became poor that you and I could break through because of that into a supernatural, abundant life where the church is not peripheral to the world. Somebody, come on. Warunga, give me some help. Jesus' name, just somebody help me today. And you go, yeah, well, you're just, you're just pushing it. No, you're just putting it down, so I will push it. Come on, look at me for a moment. As a dad, spiritual dad, where your children and grandchildren have a platform that you never had because you believe the Bible. And you said, God, okay, I'm at a point in my life where I've been in debt for too long, and I'm going to find your answer Oh, yeah, but what about the disciples? Jesus sent the disciples out with nothing. Surely that's how the church should operate. Think about it. You're training college students. You're going to put them in a place where they've got nothing. Because one of the greatest things we can learn is our dependence on God. So when we don't have it, we're dependent. So when we do have it, we stay dependent. All right, a scripture to back it up. Jesus answered and said, Mark 10, 29. Everyone who leaves a house sacrifices moves away from family for my sake and the gospels everyone shall will they not receive a hundredfold now in this time mm. okay see i'm a realist faith realist how many people have you met in current church have a hundred properties why would we want a hundred properties it's not about the properties it's about the wealth creation that can release the purpose of the kingdom and God has no problem with it. In fact, Proverbs 11.10, what does it say? When it goes well with C3ers in Sydney. And I love this about your pastors. I love it about the team. It's like, we're blessed. We're blessed people. But are we really in the fullness of that blessing yet? When it goes well with the righteous, what happens to the city? What happens to the surrounding area of Penrith? It's kind of like, what will happen to every part of the location we live in. It's kind of like what will happen in Mossman? What will happen in New Zealand when the church begins to say, you know what, we're not here just playing a game on Sunday. We are here to take the promise of heaven, make it our reality when it goes well with the righteous all of the city begins to go, I like being in the city because you're here. And where the wicked perish, there is jubilation. It's amazing that that's in the context of finances. Then it says this, by the blessing, <laughs> by the prosperity. Yes, it uses the word. Prosperity is used with so many. People say, are you a prosperity preacher? It depends, not like you here, but I believe in the blessing of God to be a blessing. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Come on, we can make a difference. Second challenge. Well, Jesus lived meager. Disciples had nothing. There were reasons for that. 
because God wanted to test them to be carriers of great influence in the world they lived. Well, but Paul, surely all this talk about money, I know you talked about it and made reference to it, but we shouldn't make it that big a deal. Well, why not? It's a big deal in your life. Come on, how many have been living under debt? You don't have to wave your hand, but how many know that finances is limiting what God's asking you to do? Finance is still making the decisions that we have to make every day. I put in my pocket this morning some money. Australian $50, it's, it's powerful in Australia because it is printed by the mint here. It has numbers on it. So it's worth the value of $50. And money has no morals attached to it. It's just a resource that can do things. But this is what the Bible teaches. Why we should make money a big deal is the Bible teaches that when money touches your hand, any increase touches a human hand, it attracts one of two spirits. It no longer stays without a moral attachment. It has God's blessing on it. Or it has mammon's authority on it. There are a lot of people in the church that are Christians, great believers, but they are ruled by mammon. Because they have not honored God in the first to position him as authority. That's why money, people don't want talking about money because the devil knows if we get this right, the authority of heaven will open. And what the enemy brings, God will be able to rebuke the devourer. By the way, well, I tithe, so I'm just going to be blessed. You can have a great gift and be blessed. <laughs> oh, well, I don't need to do that because I'm blessed with my gift. Yes, but has the gift got mammon's spirit on it or God's spirit on it? Because in the long term, that's going to change. And, you know, our priority with our money determines what authority as resident in our financial world. And so when I began to realize that, even though we had always honored God, I thought the church needs to hear this again. By the way, your priorities are seen in your bank statements. Because money directs so much, that's why we need to talk about it. In fact, Jesus put it like this in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He says, if you're faithful with what is least, you'll be faithful in much. If you're unjust in the small things, you'll be unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, if you have not been faithful in money, who would commit to you true riches? Oh God, I want eternity to be unlocked in my life and my children and my family. I want the blessing of heaven. I want the wonder of the scope of what you could do to happen through my life. And God says, well, here's heaven's test. You say, really? Jesus put it like this, where your treasure is. I can tell you your future. So that's why it gets quiet in here right now. Many of the other locations, thank you for your support. No, it's good in here. But seriously, how I handle my money, come on, determines what God will entrust to me. God, we're praying for 100 locations. Let's have a look how you do with your money. God, we need supernatural breakthrough. Let's have a look how you do with your money. I believe money is a divine testing ground. That's why it's such a big issue. The enemy understands it, so he tries to twist it, get it out of the limelight. By the way, Luke 16, 13 says you cannot, 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 doesn't matter what Bible college you've been through, you cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot. You may for a time, but you'll end up loving one or despising the other. 
The enemy has always, since the beginning of time, come on, Ryan, come and join me here in Oxford Falls, has tried to create divided loyalties. And this morning, I'm just breaking the ground. As I said tonight, I want to give you the four things I didn't understand. Two of them I did, but two I didn't. About how important it is, the ingredients needed to create a financial future. Do you know that mammon is the only evil spirit that Jesus named? Oh, what about legion? No, he asked, what is your name? But mammon he named as the only evil spirit. It's called the money God. That's what it means. And God wants to break us free. Because you see, $10 is not just $10. Whatever you have, whatever comes your way, defines your future. And if we get this right, did you know in the case or the course of one generation, our grandchildren will be able to say, this works, I live, 2 Corinthians 9.8. It's going to take people that understand what we need to do to create this pathway to financial freedom. And I, I want to encourage you today, doesn't matter how stuck you are, and maybe you're in church for the first time, one of the locations today. See, I found in our church when we teach on money, people that aren't used to the God thing, don't get upset because it makes sense. The fact is, everything about God makes sense. But religion in the church stuffs it up. This is freeing for you. This is creating a platform for your future. But we've got we've to confront the myths. Here's one other myth. I'm stuck. It'll never change. No, God is able. And again, if you're in the campuses and you can't get there tonight, I've written a whole book called God, Money and Me. Because it's my journey. It's my whole life. I'm not just preaching about something. Something began to shift when I understood what I needed to do to create something to unlock the generations that are going to follow me. But we're going to pray. And then I'm going to hand it back to each of the locations. But come on, everyone in every location, let's just close our eyes for a moment. And, and maybe today you go, you know what, Paul, you're touching a nerve. I need a breakthrough. I need answers in my material world. Many of us will be in that. Come on, just lift your hand. Just say, that's me. I, I am, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say, God, help me. God, speak into my life. Boy, I've done that so many times. It's like, God, meet me. Father, today, I pray that you would meet us where we're at, that you'll begin a journey, that we can discover a pathway that we can walk on, and bit by bit, we're going to change it. And we just deny the enemy the ability to sabotage the purpose of God all over us. And we declare that you are Lord, that you are great and that you are God, in the name of Jesus. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time, because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked Him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him and today I want to invite you to come back to him or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven and so I want to lead you in a prayer right now and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me and then straight after this prayer I would love you to do something for me but hey let's pray right now dear God I thank you for Jesus thank you that he died for me I ask that you would forgive me I turn away from my past and I give you my life come and live in me I thank you that today I am saved 
In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer today, the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.